How you guys doing? Good. My name is Derek, and I'm one of the guys here on the team. And uh, today we're, we're talking about anger, specifically in the idea of trying to be unoffendable, right? And, you know, Bryson, you made a good comment about board games. I, I have this family member <clears throat> who actually, the way, they didn't care if they won at board games or not. They would actually only care if you lost. So, uh, he, this, this person, I, I, already, I was trying to keep it super anonymous, but I already said he's a he, okay? So he'd, he'd just come at me, you know, from sideways and, and just make sure that I didn't win. And so that, that definitely got my, my, my blood boiling a little bit. And so before we move on in this message, just go ahead. If you did get one of these uh, rubber bands, would you just put that on your wrist real quick? It's really tiny. I heard that by... It was a lot of little, a lot of little voices. That's really tiny. Uh, yeah, just put it on there for. You won't have to wear it for very long, hopefully. <clears throat> unoffendable. Well, why are we talking about unoffendable? Um, well, I don't know if you guys know this, but offense is rampant. <laughs> I mean, it just you. You don't have to be on Facebook for five minutes or be driving in Utah for more than 15 minutes to know that offense is happening everywhere. But here's, here's the deal is that what we want to get to today is that offense is actually like a warning signal. I, I don't know if you guys have, uh, like, my car is kind of old, so it actually has like dashboard lights that tell you warning things. Some, some of them have like computers in them now and you know, and, and so I don't know how those work, but imagine an old school car where it actually has, you know, a check engine light that pops up. And any a negative emotion is actually one of those things where we wanna, we wanna check on those because when we have negative emotions, it's a, it's a sign that there's something probably wrong on the inside, something going wrong inside of our souls. And it, it's kind of like this rubber band that you've got on your wrist right now. How many feel like that's just a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> okay, you can take it off if you want. I, I kind of wish I could have gotten stronger ones, uh, but some of them are stronger. They're all a little different. So um, you, you got your own unique experience on that. But <clears throat> it's, it, offense is, is kind of like that rubber band on your wrist. It's this thing where when it's there, we, we actually should notice it where we should actually see that there's something going on and I actually need to drill down in and figure out what that thing is. I, I know that I said offense runs rampant, but it's like, it's, it's, it's everywhere. I remember uh, I had this boss and this, this time I came into the, my boss's office, I asked, hey, do you have time to talk? He says, yes. I walk into his office. This is not Dave Nelson, by the way, okay? Um, so I walk into my boss's office and he never looks up from a paper that he's looking at. And I, I, I walked through, I'm like, this is really important, made it clear up front. And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he just kept reading the thing that he was reading. And man, I, I finished that meeting and I left the, and he never looked up once. And I just felt like I was about this small. And I was so mad. And I came home and I vented to my wife <laughs> while I'm like cutting onions and stuff. And how, how many of you have experienced something, maybe not that specific situation, but you had something where, man, and then, and then you just stewed on it for a long time afterward. How'd you feel afterward? You felt great, right? <laughs> you, you don't feel good after you've gone through a fence and then you've stewed on it and you've gotten into it. 
it's one of those things we have to listen to and get into. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I've been thinking about this concept of, of offense and trying to be unoffendable for the better part of the last year. It's probably because uh, anger and offense and, and these sort of things, it's, I think in my family, it's a generational sin on my father's side. And so it's something I've had to deal with and, and work through and let God try to clean out of my soul. And, and some of you might be in the same situation as me, but I did a, a Facebook series on this, on, on offendable. And, and so as I was doing that, people would shoot me cool resources. I, actually, there's a book. If you want to know more information, uh, we, we came up with this series kind of ourselves, but then we've benefited from other resources. There's a book by the same title, Unoffendable. And I'm actually going to take some stuff from a, a sermon by Furtick uh, today um, that I got sent when I was doing a Facebook. So thanks, Chuck, for sending that in. Uh, but there's, there's, there's great resources out there, too. Uh, we're not going to be exhaustive here, but we are going to be looking at this idea of offense and how to become unoffendable for the next four weeks, including today. So just come and stick with us because today we're actually just opening things up and in the next few weeks, we're gonna be t- giving you tools on actually how to get over that offense. <clears throat> and one of the important things I think to start with is really this idea of offense. When we're offended, we're actually easily divided. And when we're divided, we're, we're easily taken out and destroyed, right? That's, that's where we're going tonight. And uh, from a faith position, let me just unpack this. Uh, If we believe God is for us, then we actually should also believe there's something against us. So we believe that there's actually an enemy that's trying to destroy us. And, And Jesus actually talks about this in John chapter 10. He says, the thief, which he's calling the enemy, the, the devil, he comes here to steal, kill, and destroy. So that's his goal for your life. So the, the first thing we want to realize is the goal of the enemy is destruction. Now, his strategy, the way he's going to do that, the way he's going to destroy you is through division. That's how he does it. And division, it, you know, Jesus actually says this, a house divided cannot stand. That's, that's truth. Um, and so when, but, but then the devil is actually referred to in scripture as a, a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. Do you know how a lion gets its prey? Well, it kills it, but at first, yeah, it comes after a whole herd of something. And then it, it looks for the weak one that kind of gets cut off from the pack, right? The, the whole, they can't attack the whole herd or they, they might actually get hurt. So they, they look for the one that's all by itself. And so that's how the devil actually comes at us. Remember, we just went through this series called Winning the War in Your Mind. Well, the, the devil actually uses thoughts to attack us. And the other part about that is when we're alone, our mind, I don't know if you've ever been all by yourself with a thought that's not good. Um, it can really overcome your thought world. And so that, the same thing happens when we have positive influence. It, it kind of is able to, to, to process those thoughts a little more in a healthy way. And so that, the devil, he tries to divide us, and that's how he's trying to destroy us. And now his tactic is offense. The way he wants to divide us is through us being offended by each other. So let me like uh, actually illustrate this. Is there, is there like a couple in here that's new, newlyweds, newly married in the last year or so? We, we got one here. I did their wedding just a couple. Oh, here, can we get one of you two couples? Let's get Chloe or Bryson. Either one of the two, not both of you together. I want you and your spouse. No, no, yeah, Reagan, come up here. 
I don't want Chloe and Bryson. I want Bryson and Reagan or Chloe and Naman, one of the two. <clears throat> Come on up here. Okay. So what the enemy wants to do to you too, get over here a little further, is he, what, what God brought together, he says, uh, the two have become one, right? This is what happens in marriage. Now this is, you, you guys just know Bryson. If you didn't know Bryson, he's our, he's our youth director, and this is his wife, Reagan. Um, so, <clears throat> well, what the, what the enemy wants to do is he wants to divide you so that he can destroy you, and the way he does that is actually not the way you'd think. So if I, just Reagan, if I came at Bryson and I tried to attack him, what would you do? Yeah? Or try to fight you all? Yeah, right. I, I think you're a little scrappy. I think you'd probably, you'd probably be able to take me. But if I came directly at Bryson or I came directly at Reagan and I'm the enemy, like the other one is going to get in the middle and try to, try to defend. But the, the sneaky thing that the enemy wants to do is he, he actually doesn't want you to defend. He wants you to get you to be on offense with him. So what he does is he comes over and he starts to whisper, oh, Reagan, did you see Bryson left his clothes on the floor? How does that make you feel? <laughs> Does, doesn't it make you feel like he doesn't really care about you? Yeah? <laughs> and, he, and he starts to whisper these little things, these, these little offenses. And as those offenses start to build up, like it, it, it actually can cause division. Like what, what you know, the Lord brought two, the two become one. What the, what the enemy wants to do is he wants to make the, the one into two, right? This is exactly what he's trying to do. And so you guys go, go sit down for a little bit. I'll bring you back up in a little bit. Give them a round of applause. <clears throat> yeah, I, and, and you know the interesting thing is there's so many ways that he could do this. I was just even thinking about, <laughs> it makes me kind of sad to think about this, but I was thinking about my daughter Getting, getting married someday. And, you know, she, because I love her so much, you know, she, she gets a donut in the morning on her birthday, you know, and a little candle in it, and we sing happy birthday. But I'm thinking, you know, that poor guy that marries her, and then he shows up on their first birthday, they're married without a donut in the morning. I'm like, that guy's going to get in trouble. <laughs> like, it's like, he, he doesn't even know what, you know, I think one of the greatest uh, perpetrators of offense is, un, you know, unspoken expectations, but I don't want you to get, you, you may be out there and you may be not married. I, I don't, th this is just an illustration of any relationship. You don't have to be married here. This could be your family, your friends, your neighbors. Uh, it could be your teenage daughter. It could be your boss, like I was mentioning earlier. It could be uh, if you're in college, one of those group assignments, I think the devil works extra hard in those, by the way. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what he, he does, but man, it's crazy. Like I mentioned the neighborhood. Um, my neighbors, like, so I moved into my current, our, our, our current house in January 2020. And then in May of 2020, uh, I decided to put on a new roof on the house. And uh, there were some people here in the church who, who showed me how to do that, and they told me if I ever said who they were, they would kill me because they don't want people to know they know how to do a roof. But I was up on the roof for like three weeks straight, every morning and every evening. You couldn't be up there in the middle of the day because 
you can't be on the shingles, right? So I was up there and, and neighbors would just walk by and that's how I got to know most of my neighbors is while I was up on the roof and they'd start talking to me. And you know, the, the, the most exciting thing or the, mo- the, the thing they were most excited about sharing with me is about how much they disliked the neighbors that lived in that house before. Uh, and, and then they would, they would start to share kind of the, the, the local gossip of the neighborhood, like who likes who and who doesn't like who and, and what kind of drama is happening. And, and you're like, I'm just sitting there on the roof like nailing shingles on and they're just telling me you know, all this stuff. And I, I'm just like, who, who is at work here? Like if, if this, this is clearly the work of the enemy. That's exactly what he wants to do. He wants to divide us. He wants to take a neighborhood and instead of having a Mayberry type of place, he wants to create a place that's all these people who are just trying to attack each other, look for ways to hold a fence, right? And I think the enemy, he likes to build a fence all the time. And, you know, he takes little things and he tries to divide. And, you know, it's like your dog pooped in my yard, right? It's and you didn't clean it up. <laughs> Sorry, I said poop. I, I don't know. Uh, or like, man, you, you know, some of, the, some of you are really organized and, or, and you, you, you're on top of things. And it's like, you didn't mow your lawn for three weeks. And, you know, it's, it's like he, the, the, the enemy starts to use a fence and he builds a fence and, and, and it starts to create this division or this wall between us and the people around us. But that's not, not, not what God wants to do. In fact, God wants to do, his goal is actually life. In that same passage in John 10, it says he wants us to live life and life to the full, right? And his, his strategy is actually unity. And I'm I was thinking about what's God's tactic, and I was like, maybe his tactic is food. I'm not sure. It's like, <laughs> doesn't that bring people together? It's like, but uh, Ephesians 1, uh, 10 says this, and this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. So what's the strategy of God? Well, he wants to bring unity. He says, actually, and, and Paul says in Romans 12, 18, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. So if you're looking around and you see that there's division, you look around and you see there's tribes, who's at work there? You know, that's, that's the work of the enemy. And, and you might be feeling like I'm overstating that division actually causes destruction. But I've got a, a story in scripture that I want to share with you that I think really highlights this. It highlights that left unchecked, left unchecked, when we do take offense, it absolutely leads to division, which absolutely leads to destruction. Now, there's this story in Genesis, and it's actually the second time we see sin in the whole Bible, um, and it's the story of Cain and Abel. And we, I don't want to really get into why. One, there's two brothers, right? Uh, Cain and Abel, and Cain is offended. And we don't have time to unpack that, but he, he was... Uh, his, his offering to God wasn't his favorite, and, and he was offended by that. And it says right here in Genesis chapter 4, Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do right, will you not be accepted? 
But if, you do, but if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is to have you, but you must rule over it. Sounds a little bit like a roaring lion, right? This, this crouching thing at your door. And, you know, the warning lights, God's, God's the warning light in this picture, right? He's saying, hey, there's something going on inside your heart, Cain, and if you don't deal with this thing, it's gonna, it's gonna cause problems in your life. Sin, sin's ready to take over your life, in fact, and, and we all know where that's gonna go. And right then, he, he goes ahead, the next scene, and he kills his brother in the field. And on that very day, Adam and Eve lost both their sons in one moment. One to murder and the other one gets cast out of the garden or gets cast out to be a wanderer for the rest of his life. Now, most of us like to think offense is from when somebody does something negative to us, but in this story it shows that it just could be the fact that somebody did better than you. Like, I don't know how many of you have ever felt offended just because there was a coworker who put out a better product or service you know, you look at them and you're like, wow, they're so good at that. Dang it. I like, I, I want to hate them. <laughs> just, and that's exactly what Cain does here. It's like, man, he just, his brother was just a little bit better for him, better than him at something. And he's just like, well, I guess the best way to, the easiest way to be the best is just to take that guy out of the picture. And I know the best way to do that, right? The enemy's goal is destruction, his strategy is division, and his tactic is defense. So why do we do this? Why do we start the work of becoming unoffendable? Well, we see in this story there was this murder. But long before murder happens in in the field, in this story, it happened in his heart. Long before any sin happens in your life, it happens in your heart, right? And Jesus speaks to this in the Sermon on the Mount. Actually, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, hey, any of you who murders your brother, the law says, you're under judgment. But here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna raise it up a stake and I'm gonna say, hey, if, if you actually are angry at any of your brothers, you've committed murder in your heart and you're under that same judgment. Now, that's what Jesus says, right? And so anger actually, before it, it starts out there, before it goes out there and causes division and destruction, it starts right here. It starts right here. We have to listen to the warning lights. And Paul speaks to the same reality in Ephesians. He says, in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Now, I think we like to start this passage, but we don't like to end this passage. It says, in your anger, do not sin. And I don't know how many times I've heard it said, well, then we can be angry, right? That's fine. Like, it just says, don't sin. And then I go, well, what does it mean to not sin? Well, I'm not exactly sure what it means to not sin. Well, this passage actually tells us what it looks like to sin when we're offended, right? What it looks like to sin when we're offended. And here's the deal, is these things, like, these, these offense is going to come, right? And, and sometimes it comes like one of these getting hit to the face, right? You're, this is, this is going to come into your life almost every day. I mean, 
if you're married, if you have kids, I, I was just talking to uh, one of our volunteers tonight who has a, a, you know, a preteen or close to be a teenage kid and talking about some of those hormone changes, right? And it's like the things that are being said and, and thought of and, and it's like, man, offense is flying all over the place, right? In, in those early days of marriage and you're still trying to figure out what the other person is like. It's like offense is going to come. We, we can't really we can't really decide whether or not it's not gonna come. And so that, that's, that's happening, but what are you gonna do with it once it does come? Well, this verse, this passage actually says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And you, you can look at that passage and it, it means one of two things. It means don't, just don't go to bed while you're still angry. That's, that's just taking it at face value. Um, or there's, there's I've, I've studied, it says that there's an actual Hebrew idiom that says don't let the sun go down on your anger, meaning that when you let anger take over your mind, it actually, your mind turns from light into darkness, right? It's like you've closed your mind on anger and, and now it's taking control. Either way, it's saying don't, don't dwell. Don't dwell on the, the things that, that, that happen that are offensive in your life. Like, Bad things are gonna happen. Does that mean those things are right? No, that doesn't mean those things are right. Most of the time, offensive things are being done to you. Oftentimes, they're, they're sinful things being done to you. Not always, but they're, they're gonna come, but you, we, we can't dwell on it because if we do, that just adds fuel to the fire, right? Like when my, when my wife, when she, <clears throat> she, she said, like I was talking to her about this, we go on dates. Um, she was talking, talking to me about how um, I used to just talk with everybody. I, I still do that, but it didn't matter what we had planned, like if I was supposed to pick her up. Like this one time we lived in Tennessee, I was supposed to pick her up, but I was talking to somebody at the coffee shop, and I ended up being 10 minutes late to pick her up, and in that 10 minutes I was late, I, she got stung by a bee. Man, she was so upset with me. Like, and then I found out that she was actually like allergic to bees, so her hand got all like covered, or it got all... Let's see if I can get this thing in here. Uh, it got puffy, and I think she was upset with me for like weeks, and she, she started to have this, this thought, like, Derek doesn't really care about me. This, uh, and then, to, like, add on to that, she, she thought, like, a couple weeks later, I was um, at, a, at the church, and we were supposed to go to a play, and I talked to this guy in the parking lot. I'm, I'm not this bad anymore, but at, after church for like two hours, and we totally missed the play, and it just reinforced that idea. Like, if he really loved me, he would make the time for me. And it just starts building this divide in our life when we start to listen to these thoughts because what happens is that the enemy starts stirring and swirling in there, and, and more and more, like, ammunition comes. More and more fuel gets added to the fire because he wants to stir that up because that thought is exactly accomplishing his mission. His, his strategy is division so that he can ultimately destroy you. Now, what's actually happening here? How do we get to this place? Well, we get here because we've given, this passage actually says, we've given the devil a foothold. When we're angry and then when we dwell on it, when we let the sun go down on our anger, 
It says, don't let the devil have a foothold. Can you imagine if in World War II, the, the, the Nazis would have just let us have uh, Normandy Beach, right? Like, there, that was the foothold that we needed to be able to actually take Europe back and, and bring freedom to that place. Like, but, but we're actually doing the, the opposite. Instead of the good guys coming on and, and taking over, it's like we're, we're allowing the enemy to have that, that, that key place to be able to actually stand up and to, to be able to whisper those thoughts and those ideas, to be able to stir up in our mind what what's, can actually destroy us and break down our relationships. Now, <clears throat> let's get... Bryson, can we get you back up here? Reagan, go ahead and come back up here. Can you imagine? One of the things that my wife does is she, she leaves her clothes out on the floor, a thing I mentioned about what Bryson does, and she, she doesn't close cupboards. <laughs> and early on in our marriage, man, I, I would just sit there and be like, what? Does she just expect me to clean up after her all the time? That one's backwards. <clears throat> like, I'm not her maid. I, I know that's, we, we kind of have reversed roles in some of these things. And what happens is you let these ideas fester and grow. And, oh, oh, you guys. Thanks. Bryson, we see your face all the time. Will you come back here? Yeah, right back here. Reagan, will you go in the front? And you let these things grow and take over. What's one of the things you guys argue about? Yeah, let's hear about what you think. Let's That's actually uh, one of the things he does. He likes to put his pants right next to the bed. Oh, I was right. I thought I, oh, thought I was yeah. right. <clears throat> and then soon, you've got this, this wall of offense that's been built up. And nobody gets married thinking, okay, we're gonna get divorced. Like, I, you're an amazing, like, Reagan, I heard about your wedding. I didn't get to be at your wedding because it was on the other side of the country, but I heard it was a pretty spectacular event, right? It was fun. It was pretty fun. So you don't spend the hundreds of hours planning and buying flowers and getting the DJ and the food and, and all that stuff thinking, Oh yeah, one of these days we're just going to get a divorce, right? You, 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 don't, you don't start there. <laughs> I mean, I'm, we're talking real talk up here, Bryson. You just stay back there, okay? <clears throat> but you let one of these things, like, one at a time build up. One, one offense, another offense, another offense, and this wall builds. And, and, and suddenly you're wondering, like, hey, when's the last time we were... Went on a date. <laughs> What's your favorite place to go, by the way? Ours or mine? Yours. I don't, uh, we're not talking to Bryson. Okay. <laughs> um, I like pho or Indian food. Oh, okay. Like Bombay House. When was the last time, Bryson, we went to Bombay House? It's been like, it's been a few years, you know? It's <laughs> like, you start to, <laughs> where, how often do you guys go to Bombay House now? I mean, or some other Indian place. Um, not a lot because he has a lot of stomach issues. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, that might go. Yeah, that might go uh, one plank for Bryson. Like, why does she always want to go to Indian food? Doesn't she know that I've got stomach issues? You know, like, we're, 
we're getting into real marriage issues here now, guys. Like, sorry, sorry uh, <laughs> if this is too much. <laughs> but this is, this is exactly what the enemy does. And then, and then as soon as you, you have all these pieces of offense built, and it, it, it divides you and it disconnects you, it's, it's, it's not hard to start thinking, wow, man, why are we even together? Like, what are we, what are we doing? I, I, I could see myself being happier some, somewhere else with somebody else or doing something else, right? And, and this, is, this is what the enemy does to us. He takes offense, he causes division, and then ultimately brings destruction. Thank you, guys. You, yeah. you can go sit down. Give him a, give him a round of applause. So, how do we get rid of offense? How do we get rid of it? Well, well, first of all, we have to, well, I, I got a little f- further in my notes, I guess. Here's what Ephesians 4 says. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, God, forgave you. That's what God wants us to do with anger and offense bitterness, rage, uh, it's not something that we should hold on to. Actually, when that dashboard lights, we need to say, that, that's, that means I need to start doing something. And so how do we actually do something with it? Well, the first part that we need to do is we need to recognize it. Um, when it says, in your anger, do not sin, that's actually a quote out of Psalm chapter four. Um, and the, the second part of that says, um, in Psalm 4, 4, when you're on your beds, Search your hearts and be silence, silent. So one of the things is you just have to like search your heart all the time because it's, it's like that, that rubber band on your wrist. Some of you might, might even be able to feel it still even after you've taken it off. But it's like when we're offended, you have to, you have to look and see like what is, what is happening right now inside of my own soul? Because psychologists say anger isn't actually a primary emotion, they say it's a secondary emotion. And so when we're, offend, when we're offended, right, there's a difference between an offense happening, right, and then us actually being offended. So when we're, when we're offended, something happens inside of us, right? Something happens in our soul. But think back to my boss when I was telling you this story. I was angry, and I was chopping onions really hard, and I was venting to my wife, but what, what was really going on inside of my soul is that I felt rejected, right? I felt devalued. Like I said, I felt this, this small. It, I, I gotta deal with that. Why, why do I feel like that's, that's an issue, right? Well, we're gonna, we're gonna talk more about that next week. What do we actually do to make ourselves, to, to grow our identity? We're gonna talk through that next week, so we'll get more into that. Number two, to get rid of offense. We gotta adopt the attitude of Christ. This Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, forgive just as Christ God forgave you. We have to realize that Jesus, while he had every right to be offended, you know, it, it says that he was, you know, when he was out teaching and preaching, he'd, people would slander him and say all t- types of false things about him. Um, they, would, they would argue with him, right? One of the things that I know uh, would get me offended early on in my marriage with my wife is she would, she would actually argue with me in public, right? I couldn't, and, and she wanted me to clarify, in public meant 
anybody was around other than just me and her. So it could have just been one other person in the room, but we would argue in public. I, I was like completely horrified by that. I felt humiliated. Well, Jesus actually was okay with that. People argue with him in public all the time. And, and he was fine, right? He was fine. And then when you think about the fact that he was crucified, it says that he was whipped and he was bruised and he was beaten. And he took all those offenses and he actually says on the cross, forgive them, Lord, for they do not know what they do. And he dropped them, right? He dropped the offense. Now, some of us think righteous anger, right? What about righteous anger? Well, we don't really have time to talk about righteous anger today, but I just want to say, <clears throat> it feels like Christians, we're often the worst at it because every time I feel offended, it feels like righteous anger to me <laughs> because whatever somebody's doing to me is wrong, right? And so every single time, I've got a biblical reason why it's wrong, and so it shouldn't have been done to me, and so it's, it's righteous anger, right? It's like, well, every single thing that was done to Jesus was wrong as well and he dropped it and he let it go and he got rid of it and he forgave Jesus wasn't offended now Jesus also reframed for, for us he said uh, he had a bigger vision than we do right and so he asked us to reframe when we're offended he said in Matthew 5 that same passage where he's talking about anger Blessed are you when people insult you. Do you think that way? Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So when you're offended, just realize you're in a, you're in a, actually a, a, a great group of people, like, because the prophets were part of that. Like, if you're being offended, or because of Jesus Christ, like, that might actually be a good thing. People, people might be saying all sorts of false things about you because they first said all sorts of false things about God. The last thing I want to encourage you to do is to confess it, to confess it to God. The best way to get rid of an offense isn't just to say, oh, it doesn't bother me. It's actually to be honest. Um, there, there was a guy that came, Jamie Winship, um, four years ago, and he, he taught on confession. I think it was really reframed the idea of confession for me. He said, confession isn't telling God all your sins. Now, that might be part of it, right? But it's telling God the truth, right? If you go into the, court, if you go into the courtroom and they ask you to write down your confession, they're not asking you to write, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They're asking you to write what happened, right? And so if you don't feel like dropping the offense, that's the truth, right? God, I need to come to you right now because my wife, man, she, she burned whatever meal and then I had to eat it again and I'm just gonna tell you that I don't wanna forgive her for that. Actually, it doesn't ever happen. My, my wife's a great cook, so. Um, or just to, to tell, tell him, like, my, my boss, like, I went into the, the room today to talk to him and I told him, I asked if he had the time to talk to me and I told him it was really important to me and he never looked up from his piece of paper, but I'm not sure what to do with that, God. This is, this is the starting place. We'll talk about what do you do with it once you've confessed it to God, but when we're silent about the pain that's happening in our hearts, 
The Psalms talk about this. David talks about it in Psalm 32.3. And he's talking about confession, but he says, when I kept silence, my bones wasted away through my groanings all day long. When we just let offense sit in our heart and we don't actually confess it to God, man, it feels incredibly painful. Instead, God's saying, just bring it to me and give it over to me and guess what? I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. And here's the thing is if you're actually out there and you've got, you know, something, somebody that's close to you that's offended you, maybe it's your spouse or maybe it's a coworker or, or maybe it's a neighbor. Um, the other piece is that we're told to confess to one another as well. And so it sometimes isn't enough to just tell God about it. It actually is incredibly healing. If you take that offense and you bring it to them and you say, you know what? When when you said that to me, it really hurt. And, and I'm not exactly sure what to do about it because I, I've, I've been struggling to get rid of it, but I think we need to talk about it. And it gives us the opportunity to drop it and to hear their side of the story and to be able to reconcile the relationship because if the enemy, if his tactic is offense and his strategy is division and his goal is destruction, God wants to unify us so we can have life and life to the full. So I'm gonna invite the band to come up here and we're gonna pray. The only way to actually move on this is to confess. Like, we can do it right now. Like, if you came into the room today and you've got all sorts of frustration and emotion and the dashboard's going off, the check engine light's been blinking at you, uh, it's time to come to God today. I'd say 90% of us in this room we probably have something that is nagging at us, that's saying, hey, I, I actually need to give this over to God because as soon as you do that, I promise you, once you tell God your truth, he'll start to speak his truth in your life. So let's pray. Lord, I, I just wanna thank you for the audience here today. Like our, our church, we're, we're in need of you to be present right now, God. Because offense running rampant in our lives, Lord. It's everywhere. Lord, it's causing all sorts of divisions. If you're not for us, you're against us. Lord, and, and it's causing disconnection between mothers and daughters and husbands and wives and employees and neighbors and Lord you, your goal is to build us up to create a life that's beautiful that looks like heaven on earth and the enemy just wants to continue to throw a wrench into our lives and take us out and take us down And so Lord I, I pray that whatever is on our dashboard if there's some sort of offense that's blinking but I, I just pray you bring it to our minds right now what am, what am I holding on to, Lord? Do you want me to give up? You want me to drop? You say to get rid of it. It's one thing to be provoked with offense. It's another thing to become offended. Lord, what is it that I've been offended by? Whatever is coming to your mind right now, just take it to Jesus with this prayer. Lord, it isn't right what was done to me. 
probably wasn't in your will. But I need to take it to you, Lord, because it's, it's ruling my mind. Not only is it hurting my relationship with that person, it's, it's actually hurting every relationship around me. It feels like I can't help but just spew out anger wherever I go, Lord. Just please take it. Lord, help me to actually know what's going on. What, this thing that shows, is coming out as offense and anger, what's actually inside of there that needs to be fixed by you, Lord? Is there sadness? Is there fear? What is it, Lord? Lord, we just thank you for giving us this opportunity to come to you with confession and to actually be able to cast all of our cares on you because you love us. That's what you call us to do, Lord. That's what Dave talked about last week in his message. Lord, help us. And, and maybe it's something we need to put in the God box, Lord. Just show us the path moving forward. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for giving us an example of what it looks like to actually drop offense through your son, Jesus Christ. We pray this all in his name.